Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. Literally out here on the road last night, Murray County, Tennessee. No sighting of Hank Vogler. That's what we know for sure in Tennessee. There you go, law against me going to Tennessee. Yeah, they probably don't let you out of White Pine County, Nevada. Well, um, with the labor situation in White Pine County, Nevada, (laughs) you have to wear many hats. However, supposedly they have reformed the H-2A program Mm -hmm. uh, to accommodate the dairies, which is an irony an irony, an irony. I now, I got you. I got you in touch with Kim Bremer, and y'all could have worked on that together, but you chose to go fight it alone. Who you get me in touch with? I you talked to Kim Bremer about all of this two years ago, from Wisconsin. Yes, and 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 uh, never returned phone call. Nothing. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, sorry. Sometimes, you know, uh, are, are you having trouble choking down the Easter Bunny? Me too. <laughs> all right. You so know, it's just a dirty little secret, and I'm sorry. We're, we're all in agriculture together, but it's a dirty little secret. When they will blatantly look you right in the face, in person, live and in color, mm-hmm. and say, "You guys are idiots." Jumping through all those hoops, doing all that crap, all that book work, everything. Well, you're nuts. And where are they getting their men? They're stealing them. Men that I've paid thousands of dollars to get their papers, get them up here, etc., etc. And I realize we're all in agriculture, and we all need to stay as united as we can. But there's nothing uniting about somebody. You know, in the sheep industry, You go to somebody else's outfit and you get one of his employees, you get them to go to work for you, and you will be blackballed by the rest of the industry for the rest of your life. And these guys do it with abandonment. They have recruiters out there. That that is wrong, double wrong, double wrong, and I don't care. You cannot justify that. Mm -hmm. They all go to Idaho from your place? Utah, Idaho, California. Yeah. Hmm. So how many are you down it's now? Because like a, I was actually asked over the weekend in more, uh, Martinsville, Indiana. Uh, I lost 12 employees right in the middle of the peak of lambing. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't even want to discuss how many thousands of dollars that cost me. Uh, just trying to get healed up and move on down the line. There uh, Now, because of COVID... Because of whatever happened, uh, you know, with the Biden administration, that they all think they're going to get amnesty. So for some reason, we can't even get them. We had to get the congressman after them for the American embassy to step up. They have no sense of urgency whatsoever uh, in in Peru at the American embassy. I've been waiting all summer for replacements. I mean. You know, you swim halfway across the lake, Trent, 
and you get tired, you can't go, well, I guess I'll swim back. Right. You know, you're in for any, you're in for a pound. You got to keep going. Uh, but I can't, I, I got, I've got a band of sheep that I brought back from California, my ewe lambs. They're right out here in the meadow. And that's not going to last forever. And nobody to hurt them. I need four men right now just to catch up. I got two permits in the mountains that I can't even use because I have no one to herd the sheep. <laughs> it's just, and, and uh, you know, poor pitiful me, it's rampant amongst the whole industry. Right. They, the coyotes make good money getting them, and they're all paisanos, countrymen. So, <laughs> just, I, I'll tell you what, I'll talk about a broken system. Well, that at the core is the real problem, is that we just don't have the workforce. We have no workforce whatsoever. Yeah. Every place we go, Hank, we if you're in a restaurant, you can tell they're staffed at about a third of what they should be. Every place you go, people are complaining about the same thing. They cannot find anybody to work. Yep. How we can destroy work ethic, and, and now your hurdle is above and beyond... Because not only do you ha- have people that are short of employees, so they come out and recruit and, t- and steal your employees, you, they have a, a hurdle up in the embassy in Peru that won't allow you to recruit more. But that's not your real issue, because you shouldn't be recruiting more. You should have 12 that you already have here that should never have left. Right. And if they enforce the laws that are on the books, that, you know, in three days their papers are no good. So they really become slaves. I mean, you talk about abuse. Once they lose those papers, the, the validity of those papers, they're actually in a status that is worse than somebody that swam the Rio Grande. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's just, it's. but when you say, the environment, why, let's go out and kiss a bunny rabbit. You say, labor. You say, education it's a sacred cow nobody mm-hmm. will touch it and so you have you have people that that in the department of labor there is no balance it's you why you filthy devil for taking these people you're no different than the people that have brought slaves in from africa you abuse these people i mean you just talk about any of these people and they just bristle they're all hispanics uh, they're, uh, you know, so they, and yeah, there's abuses all the time. There's abuses. Uh, well, there were abuses in the book, The Great Sarath, weren't there? Uh, yeah, a few. There, you know, yeah. So again, these are things that, that, that go on. And those are the things that should be investigated and taken care of. Wow. That's what the Department of Labor should be doing. And they should be helping not only the laborer, they should be, <laughs> Helping the person that's hiring these people, mm-hmm. giving them an opportunity to raise their standard of living in their home country. And it doesn't give them the right to vote. It doesn't give them the right to run away willy nilly. I mean, all of these things are enforceable. And if they enforced it one time, just one, the Peruvian hotline would go out and they would absolutely jerk themselves straight. If they don't, you know, if they, you know, the the big lie is, is 
if they want to get up here for a nefarious reason or just to drag their family out of poverty, they get here. Not everybody can herd sheep. You have to have a certain kind of uh, mentality, and it's not easy. So, but I, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever in, in in 50 years ever had one of them show up that had herded sheep in the old country. School teachers, no, exactly. pharmacists, yeah, they they go in, they know how to get around the interview, mm-hmm. they know how to pass the test because they want to go to work, and they get up here, and this coyote calls them and on the phone because Department of Labor says you got to give them a phone. Well, the phones don't even work everywhere out here, so they climb to the top of the mountain, they find a signal, and the coyote pings them or calls them or whatever they do and he goes hey well you're an idiot we can get you twice as much money I mean uh, talk about the streets being paved with gold you're in town all the time you got nice food you got companionship you're, you know they, they sell them a bill of goods and some of them take the bait and some of them don't <laughs> it's just two of these guys that left this spring water truck driver calls up I got 2,500 head of ewes lambing, and there's nobody here but me. And I was stupid. These two guys have both worked for me for nine years. Can you please bring part of our family up? You know, we need, you know, we want to have a better life. Okay, so I bring their family up. The ink's not even dry on the visa. Boom. Right in dead middle and lambing. Really? Oh, gosh. Now, you talk about have to hustle. Yeah. You talk about have to. What are you going to do? So, But supposedly the program is reformed. It's on the beef wire this morning that uh, instead of, that was the other thing. Somebody sued and said, well, these are supposed to be temporary jobs. So you got to have winter herders. you got to have summer herders. You can only bring them in for so long. Yada, yada, yada. Then you got to get a new set of papers which raises another couple thousand dollars worth of paperwork yeah. to, to get them here. To, to, I mean, it's just, there's just, Gracie <clears throat> Neal would say it's like wiping with a rope. There's no end to it. And we've got to go to a break. Certified Piedmontese is creating an opportunity for the cattleman to tap into a premium when it comes to producing a quality beef supply. This, In this case, it's all about tenderness. Marlon Will has full details about how you can get paid properly for the quality of beef cattle produced. And by the way, as a consumer, you want that consistency as well when you're buying it. So get details at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. We'll be back with more Roll Route Hank Bugler after this. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Loose alongside Hank Vogler checking in from White Pine County, Nevada. So I've been trying to argue with you for years. The H-2A program is not working for you. There has to be another way for you to tap into an immigrant work supply, some work supply that's willing to actually show up, be a part of your family, and and get paid a fair wage for what they do. The H-2A thing is not working. Well, you know what Ronald Reagan said, the closest thing to eternity here on Earth is a government program. To justify their jobs, the people working at the Department of Labor Mm -hmm. continue to write rules, regulations, pile upon pile upon pile of things, that, and regulations are taxes, 
cost you more money. And, you know, so, and, and, and one size fits all, you know, cell phones. Well, okay. Cell phones don't work out here to that much of a benefit. Getting paid twice a month. So you wind up having to write them two or three checks because they lose them or, or put them in their pocket, forget about them, and they sweat them out where they're no good anymore. Right. Uh, you know, the, every, every time you turn around, there's another batch of rules, hundreds of pages governing them. You know, I, <laughs> it's just that's the problem. It's not the willingness of the people to come to work for you. And if they don't want to do the job, then there should be an easy, handy way to either put them in another program, but not this runaway stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. There's so many things that could even this whole process out, but it's not being done. You know. But uh, but my, my uh, but by my point, th- there should be a way to hire people who are willing to work without a government program. There, your problem is you're involved in the government program. Well. You go down and you see Paco and El Paso and Paco said, you don't need no stinking green card. I mean, yeah, the coyotes in, of Mexico are making a fortune bringing people in from 161 countries to the United States. And, 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 and speaking of that, the issues going on in Cuba mm-hmm. should tell everybody in this country how far left the Democratic Party has gone. It used to be, I mean, people strapping themselves to inner tubes going 90 miles across the shark-infested water. It used to be if they got one foot on the shores of the United States of America, they could stay to escape communism. Fidel. The program was stopped by none other than Barack Hussein Obama, who went to the baseball game with Raul. So, I mean, what in the world is going on? Those people had a political reason to leave. The only thing that keeps the economy afloat at all in Cuba is the money sent back by expatriates that have escaped. It's, uh, and yet, we are uh, have an open border policy, but not the Cubans. And, and, they, and they, for whatever reason, they won't even say, you know, this is wrong, we got to help the Cubans. I mean, it's just... <laughs> What part of, what part of, you know, how in the world communism failed everywhere it's been tried in the world, mm-hmm. every time, you know. And speaking of labor, in Russia, if you had uh, properties, the peasants went with it. Talk about slavery. So it was very easy for Lenin and Trotsky and the boys to say. You want freedom? You want to have a better life? This is the nirvana. It didn't work. Look at the society of Egypt. Egypt supplied grain to Rome. So they were given a certain amount of autonomy. But somebody had to raise that grain. It sure wasn't the hierarchy of the Egyptians. Look at India. The farmers. 98% 99% of the people, or whatever, it was a tremendous, were considered untouchables. Those are the working people. So when you beat people down that bad, it's very easy. You know, China, same way, all these countries, based on agriculture, surplus production. And then finally, the hierarchy gets so 
blatantly, what, lazy or, or abusive, and they collapse. But the one place on earth, the one experiment in the history of mankind, 10,000 years of it, has been the United States of America. Not Washington, D.C. and its subsidiaries. Mm -hmm. It is supposedly for the people, by the people, of the people. All of those cliches. And now we have people promoting communism. I mean, it is unbelievable. And that will be the collapse, because guess what? Yeah, Agriculture well. will collapse. Agriculture collapses, and I promise you, there will be riots in the streets. You you can do you don't have to go to Vegas, you don't have to go to Disneyland, but you better have your mush for breakfast and and and, and your Mickey D's for dinner or something, or you die. And well, starving people are very easy to influence. All it takes is a disruption to our energy supply, and we have nine transformers that control control one hundred percent of the US energy grid. That's vulnerability. Boy, I guess. Yeah. And nobody cares because the light switch has come on. Mm -hmm. You know, even when I was a kid, we had you had one 60-watt light bulb in your room. One. And my uh, grandpa's brother was an electrician. He come, the house was built in 1880. And so he put these conduits inside the walls. So every room had electricity. And we had an old witty generator. And <laughs> when you I had a string tied from the pull button on the on the uh, light switch. Or not light switch, it was on the light porcelain part that you put the light bulb in, but it had a chain on it. And I yeah. tied that to my bed and that was your light. And when you wanted to go uh, use the facility, you could either use the thunder mug or you went outside to the outhouse. We've come a long way since since then, and with that, the apathy of oh, it'll always be there. Right. We are who we are. You know. <laughs> yeah, that complacency is our constant challenge. And and go back to the revolution in this country. It was really there were a lot of people that had the crown seal. Uh, They're living large. They didn't have any problems. And these young upstarts who were coming into the United States from all over the world, even then. You know, that is amazing. The number of people that could not even read or write in the from 1492 on that were willing to cross it in a wooden boat with no, <laughs> no airplanes flying over the hurricanes come to America for religious freedom or whatever reason to try something it, it was destined to have a revolution we were just lucky that it wasn't a so uh, you know a repeat of Europe well the difference between the king and the queen of England and the Bolsheviks was <clears throat> was minuscule it was concentration of power and everybody was a peasant how did Rome fall armies lived on their stomachs but when they got close to Rome all those people had been subjugated the farmers were peasants so who do you think helped them get to Rome <laughs> to destroy the country because of the apathy of the Roman citizen 
Yeah, well, it all starts when, just like you've told us for years on this very program, when you do not educate people, and particularly kids, correctly in school, you are doomed to create the same mistakes that people have made throughout societies. And that's exactly where we're at. We have young people that think communism sounds like a wonderful thing because they have never been told what it's really about. Servitude. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's no different than... uh, Look at all the kings and queens there used to be in Europe. All the fiefdoms. That was the same thing. You controlled the peasants. And and, uh, you had a birthright and they didn't. Uh, Everything about it. And here was this place all these thousands of miles away across this shark-infested ocean, if you could get there, you could own a farm, you could own a piece of property, you could have you could have things going your way. Mm-hmm. And the British made a mistake by being overbearing. But there was also the Spanish in Florida and those places like that. I mean, it wasn't... Ponce all de Leon. Yeah, and you had the French controlled the Louisiana Purchase, so that country... Uh, all of these things. The Everybody French was taking trappers. Rubidoux. I have yeah. to go to a break. We are halfway through with Hank Vogler, Arise USA Today. We are headed to Flemingsburg, Kentucky. Fantastic meeting last night in a rainstorm in Columbia, Tennessee. People came out anyway with umbrellas and tents. It was wonderful. Tomorrow, Sutton, West Virginia. And then on to what I think is going to be a very, very big event in Beaver County, Pennsylvania. That will be on Wednesday. That's what the next three days look like. If you'd like to be a part of it, get a hold of me. Go to TrentLoose at gmail.com. That's my email. Or BigBatUSA.org. More Roll Route after this. Welcome back. Roll Route, Trent Loose alongside Hank Bugler checking in from White Pine County, Nevada. During the break, I had to step off of the bus for a moment. That wasn't a great idea, but yet it was a fantastic idea. People, when you travel a country with four tour buses, you, you, you get a lot of attention with these mobile billboards. And these two ladies, they say, what's this all about? And so then I can't just walk away from them. And I, I tell them, bringing the nation back to God and country. Oh, my God, God bless you. We need you. It's incredible, Hank, how many people actually know what we need to do. They just don't know where to turn to do it. And that what we're talking about is taking the nation back and, and really alleviating all of the problems that you and I have been talking about, even in terms of labor. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a strange thing. Yesterday, a lady came here and interviewed me for some YouTube thing. Uh, I've known her since she was a little tiny kid, and then, of course, she grew up, and now she's a beautiful young lady. But anyhow, uh, she was adopted by a family in Juntura, Oregon, uh, three boys, three girls from Haiti, and they seemed to be very productive citizens. In Haiti, they had probably less than a zero chance of anything. Uh, and now they uh, seem to all be doing quite well. So it's the education. It's how, you know, you're brought up. And if you don't think the loyal opposition doesn't know that, look at the average business person, the average middle class person. Well, 
you know, they've seen people get involved. Whether you agreed with uh, Ruby Ridge, uh, whether you agreed with uh, the Bundy family or the Hammond family or whoever else, you see how punitive and punishing the government can get. So you tend to go, well, all right, so there's another rule and regulation. Rather than standing up in front of the room and telling the government that this is wrong, you figure out how to live with it. Well, it becomes easier and easier and easier to have control because people don't want to get involved. So they don't. But it gets worse and worse and worse. And business people go, well, you know, you ruffle feathers, they'll spend the rest of their life, life punishing you, and so you'll just figure out how to live with it. And that's what's happened. Do you think all the mom-and-pop slaughterhouses wanted to go out of business? They weren't making any No. No. The rules and regulations, the onerous things that a small organization could not absorb, mm-hmm. were not absorbed. So they went out of business. And we have a concentration. Now, as in a, capital, a purely capitalistic society, the same thing will happen. The Jeff Bezos, the people that have made all this money, will have a great time, and then there will be top-heavy employment. There will be the good old boy buddy system where you're hiring your cousin, you're hiring your best friend, and they get top-heavy with management, and they need cleaned out. So they collapse, too. You know, General Electric is the only one, and it's not doing all that well, that survived as one of the first of the Dow Jones. All the rest of them have had complete reorganizations or no longer exist. That is capitalism. Some One generation builds it, the next generation pays for it, and the next generation squanders it. It happens in agriculture. But when you throw in the government control and then everybody becomes a good old boy and a buddy and you're and you're taking the guys from the government to lunch and and and, and you're all pards and you protect them they protect you it is human nature but how you overcome if it is actually human nature then how do you overcome it because we know we're going to continue to create the same mistakes uh i guess in a free society those mistakes can come and go. And and right now, you know, what the old uh, Wozniak and Jobs in a garage with a $10,000 startup money created uh, what they did. Uh, Bill Gates, they said he had a tremendous work ethic. He was always working. He dropped out of school to, to follow that passion. Well, Bezos used to, I mean, basically was selling books and he figured out to have the latest in Sears and Roebuck catalog is what it was. What happened to Sears and Roebuck? What happened to Monkey Wards? Uh, they had huge catalogs. Well, that's about all that is, is an online catalog. He doesn't make all that stuff. He just procures it at a cheaper price and puts it back out. A great business model. But is it going to work forever? No. It, it, that's the cycle of the business world. But when you get propped up by the government, 
when you have the government help you get rid of your competition, all of those kind of things, when you make it so difficult, you know, I love what I'm doing. It, it, I've been passionate about it as long as I can have a memory. Uh, went to work when I was 11 years old. The boss never told me, but my uh, mentor, Robert Carlson, at the end of the season, he handed me my check. And he said, your grandpa said I wasn't to pay you unless you kept up with the slowest guy on the crew. And he said, you remember Moose and Swinney getting fired on the 1st of July? I go, yeah. Well, they weren't keeping up with you. So your grandpa got mad and fired them both. <laughs> so, again, uh, that, that, it, to me it was uh, the beginning. Yeah, that's where it changed, though, Hank. Now, if you fire the people who are slow that can't keep up, you, you're somehow prejudiced. You're somehow not fair. You, you need to create, and it all started, this seems like the stupidest little thing that's not relative, but it all started when we didn't pick winners and losers in youth athletics. Everybody just going to get a participation ribbon. Well, nonsense. That competition is what forces you to be better. Yeah. Yeah, and and when you're humbled by a situation, uh, you could step up or you can go pout in the corner. But it's it's look in the mirror. It's up to you. Yeah, yeah. In in this perfect society that the left seems to want to promote, you would have a center on a basketball team that would be four foot eleven. Why do you think they hate sports? Why do you think that they try and uh, turn it into a political situation rather than entertainment. They want to destroy it because it is capitalism. Can you imagine the millions of dollars people get to play baseball, basketball, football, all these things like that? It's a, And it's a way up. When I was a kid, it was the, all the Italians were the boxers. Mm-hmm. Rocky Marciano. You know, I mean, and then other ethnic groups uh, that was a way out of the ghetto that was a way up that right. was their step up and right. everybody didn't get it but the ones that were willing to compete could and did but having everybody the same is absolutely insanity yeah well we've been working at it for a long time so we're here now this is what you want ask for now you got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and that is the saving grace possibly right there. That's the that might be the key element. Until your ox is being gored, you just keep your head mm-hmm. down and go around. But now government intrusion, hiring more people at the IRS, which is already a broken system. If we had something like a flat tax or whatever, but that's the problem. Everybody knows that if you have a flat tax, that, they don't want to take away the rest of the taxes. This is, I've said it a thousand times, well, giving the government money, that's their mother's milk. Mm-hmm. Giving them money is about like buying a liquor store for an alcoholic, hoping that he'll drink so much and just get tired of drinking. Well, that isn't the way it works. You know, if they got a nickel in the budget, they're going to figure out how to spend a dime. 
yeah. and then have a thousand reasons well, and excuses why it's good for everybody. Well, this has been my message for pretty much the whole tour. Hank, if you, if, it doesn't matter what the federal income tax is. If we don't fix our local taxes, if we don't fix those hurdles, those regulations, there's no income to pay a tax on. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and agriculture is an easy bunch to pick on. Mm-hmm. We use herbicides, we use fertilizer, we use all the kind of things that you can find somebody that will tell you that if you drink 55-gallon barrel of diethylstilbestrol every day, you'll get liver cancer or, or whatever. Or, or if you take a bath in Roundup every afternoon and and brush your teeth with Paraquat, you know, I mean, all of these things, you can find something, they can find something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just... I know. And it's... so, look at these evil capitalist pig wrenches. Why do people can no longer make a living on 160 acres? Why do they need to farm 2,000 acres? The competitive situation because it still deals with capitalism. Yeah. All right, I got to promote some capitalism. The Lone Creek Cattle Company providing the opportunity to help the cattlemen get paid properly so that you do have some income tax to worry about. That's really at the end of the day what's most important. Get details about how Lone Creek Cattle Company can help establish that system. It's all about the certified Piedmontese. It's based upon the myostatin gene, the tenderness aspect of the uh, the Piedmontese breed, and how that works for the consumer, ultimately allowing you, the producer, to get paid more properly. Details at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. We have one segment of Roll Rot left. We'll do that with Hank Vogler after this. Cows are not destroying the environment. Pigs are not polluting the water. With many people on social media spreading lies about what we do in agriculture, I had to stand up. I had to stand up and tell our story. I had to try to educate people about how farmers and ranchers take care of not just animals, but the land, water, and resources that we need to raise the animals. I had to tell them how we work with veterinarians and nutritionists and meat scientists to develop the best tasting, healthiest meat you can find. If you join 4-H, you too can learn about the science and technology of agriculture. You will also learn how to speak up for what you believe. Being a leader means standing up for all that matters. Learn more about the Nebraska Extension 4-H Youth Development Program at 4-H.unl.edu. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Luce alongside Hank Vogler into the final segment. It appears as though we have our technical glitches worked out. Yeah. I, well, here's the answer. Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not changing my tone at all. And the, the tune is until people get a belly full locally and start showing up and stop worrying about being targeted, it's never going to be fixed. That's right. You got it, man. Give the man a cigar. He can't be talked. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's just, and, and capitalism will always find a way. Cuba used to have the greatest cigars on earth. Everybody that wanted to smoke a cigar always relished a Cuban cigar. Well, they destroyed that industry in Cuba with their communist situation. So 
there's other Central American organizations that got into the cigar business, which produced, I guess, a, a as good or better a product. So again, you know, the money left town, and the people that were going to show us all how to do it took the incentive of profit away. Why would you want to work any harder than the slowest guy on the crew? I learned that when I was 11 years old. Yeah, I didn't have any idea that that happened until the end of the season when Bob Carlson handed me my check for the whole summer. Yeah. They well, didn't I, keep up with you. I often use the analogy, and it works because it's true. If you drive, drive a team of horses, there's always one that hangs back just slightly to let the other one do the work. Yeah. Yes, that's a fact. Yeah. And, and you've always put your two best horses as the wheel horses. Right. <laughs> so, again, yeah. That's just, that's just, a, that's inbred in, in lots of people. But when you have the growl in your belly that you want to be the greatest boxer. Muhammad Ali, you know, when George Foreman was at Coyote Buttes in Harney County and Homer Ritchie, was, they had to take him somewhere because he was whipping everybody at the job corps there. And, uh, it, you know, he made it work, but he didn't make it work by sitting, in, <laughs> sitting on the ground watching me and Fermini Turbot work. George helped us. But this other kid from Louisiana, and he was not black, by the way. You can't be stereotyping people. He's sitting there going, I surmise that if I take off that, that way there, I spent three hours on an airplane, two hours on the bus, so I figured in about 24 hours I can be back to Louisiana sitting in the shades of the magnolia trees sipping on the mint julep. Well, I said good luck, but I think it'll take you a little longer than that guy. <laughs> but I don't uh, know whatever happened to him. We got through digging the holes, and that was it. All right, so we know the work ethic is not there. How do we get it back? Desperation? Growly bellies. Those guys that used to follow that circuit to plant mm-hmm. the crops in California in the wintertime, uh, most of them are choking down the Second World War or just had gotten out of the Korean War. And, and, uh, they had issues. Doesn't make me perfect, them perfect, or anything else, but they had issues. Usually alcohol in those days. Mm-hmm. But they had no system that said, you know, if you're a vagrant in Burns, Oregon, they, they put you on the bus. They sent you down the line. Uh, the sheriff got people to work. And, and as cruel as that may sound, good Christian ethic does not mean that you, Lay in the sack day in and day out, and 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 the biggest thing you have to do is go to the mailbox and pick up your credit card or whatever. There used to be a food stamp, so that was embarrassing. So now they got a credit card. So I mean, it's a <laughs> that is not the way, and continuing to repeat it. Now we have such a bloated bureaucracy handing out the party favors that it's costing more than if they just wrote everybody a check. Yeah, exactly. And send it to them like a, a a tax refund and cut down on all the people. But the people that are working for the government will justify their job, and they're bringing themselves out of poverty. The Department of Labor, every one of those people was Hispanic. So that was their step up. Maybe they were saving money to send their kids to college to become doctors and lawyers. Mm-hmm. Fine. 
I'm not against anybody getting ahead. But when they're getting ahead by punishing other people with onerous rules and regulations, that is diabolically against the system. But we we continue to grow our government. And yes, we have to start at the education of our children to the district attorney, to the sheriff's office, to anybody that is at the local level. That's the government that does the best work that's closest to the people. And we have to make our congressmen and senators beholden to their constituents. They cannot go to Washington, D.C., get the Potomac fever, as people are stuffing their pockets full of money, wanting favors. That's been since day day one, you know. I mean, it's just, that's well, the way. Did well, Eli well, Whitney go to George Washington? Go, I'll make you some guns. <laughs> no. He made a plowshare. Uh, no, he made the cotton, or the, uh, yeah, the cotton gin. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to have elected officials that stop talking about spending less, stop talking about smaller government, and actually follow through on it. Because even Donald J. Trump, yeah. the growth of government during that four years is, is unprecedented. We continue to just grow, grow, grow government. Yeah. There needs to be less of a budget. Cut every budget by 30% every year for a while until you get it back in check. What, you know, why should the Bureau of Land Management be evaluating my lot when they've never, ever been straightened out since I've purchased them over the last 20 years? Mm-hmm. Every one of them has an issue that should have been addressed before these evaluations. Now in the worst drought in history of the of the BLM, of the whatever, the pioneers coming west. They say one guy says 1,200 years, one guy says 200 years, but it's a dry son of a gun. And are they going to evaluate me? They've never asked me for my opinion as though anything I have to say would be nothing. I mean, it's just, I, I think I have a little knowledge we could share and maybe some middle ground, but nope, not even being consulted. And I've written them letters saying, what, what's up with that? Why, why don't I have some input on something that's going to affect my family for the rest of our lives? No response, no reply, not a word. But every allotment I bought has an issue that needs to be solved. And being it wasn't one giant operation that I bought, I put it together like a jigsaw puzzle. And it needs fine-tuned before we get to these evaluations, before we get to these 10-year permits and all these things. I wrote him a letter, not even a response, never even respond. Last I heard is, well, that's the way it's going to be. We'll just kick it back to Elko instead of being consolidated in White Bank County. Now, that's quite a yeah. duck in the bullet. Yeah, kick the can down the road, as you and would say. And punishing you, punishing you for daring to ask the question, why can't we do this in a reasonable manner? Not hundred percent my favor or anything else, but at least let's talk about it. No conversation. And then they turn around and allow Southern Nevada Water Authority to run livestock and to, and, and to compete against private enterprise with the state's ticket, and nobody will step up and do anything about it. And finally, the people in the Wilson Creek allotment got a gut full of it, and they're fighting it. Some other people and myself, I'm fighting the Tippett Pass allotment. And finally said, enough is enough. This is against the law. This is abuse of power. This is perjury. They've broken law after law after law. Are we, are we have a hierarchy that can do as, as they want and everybody else has to, you know, 
Marie Antoinette left to be cake. Well. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Battle of Bastille did happen last week in this day in history, but the truth of the matter is that until enough people get their belly full one county at a time and start standing up and saying no more we are going to bring this country back to good old-fashioned values we will continue to slide and erode into this loss of freedom hank vogler as always we've journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban america both of us remind you that all roads do lead to a rural route Well, it was in Murray County, Tennessee, actually Columbia, Tennessee, and it's our only stop this trip in Tennessee. Brooklyn Welch is the youngest person I've asked to join me on the radio after an Arise USA tour, and she's going to share her thoughts. I have no idea what she thinks. I'm just going to ask her. First, I want to remind you about Lone Creek Cattle Company and the opportunity to be a part of a brand of beef program. Get more details about certified Piedmontese and how that can add value to the cattle that you produce, and then you need to capture the value. That's what Marlon Will will make happen. Get details at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. First of all, Brooklyn Welch, why did you come to this event? Because I'm here to support and support President Donald Trump, get these kids rescued, and save the country. How did you become aware of that? Um, mainly my nan and papa and my surrounded family. Tell me about the kids that you want to save. We want to save the kids in the underground tunnels and the dumbs, and we also want to save the kids that are being aborted and sold into Satanist. 42 million babies a year aborted globally. I don't understand why people don't at least talk about that, bring it up, and say, hey, this is a serious problem. It's a lack of respect of life. Obviously, you're in tune with that. Yep, people need to speak up and make that a law to where that's not allowed anymore because it's not okay at all. How'd you get to be this way, Brooklyn? Um, Well, mainly I started doing research, and I have some people that I listen to and watch. My Nana educates me all the time, and I've just been grown up around it, basically. And do you live in Murray County, Tennessee? I actually came from Athens, Georgia, and I've been to, this will be my fifth rally now. Fifth one of ours? No. no. Fifth one, I've been to Trump rallies, and he's been to D.C., and all everywhere across the country. Like. Because I would have known had you been to four of ours. Yeah, but we'll go to the one in Greensboro also, Georgia. I think you guys are coming down there. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Uh, so, how has engaging changed your daily behaviors? In other words, what do you do about it other than just show up at the rally? I usually daily, I make people smile and I try to educate them daily. Or I'll just try to make friends with some people and educate them. And I hope that they would go and spread the news that I gave them and out and just to it. spread it apart. And I donate to... Um, OurRescue.org, which is a Tim Ballard and a bunch of different people that are help rescuing the kids from the underground tunnels. And you can donate and get merchandise there. And when you buy the merchandise, you're actually donating to help save the children. Do you go to public school? No, I'm actually homeschooled in a Christian book curriculum. <laughs> why did I not be, why am I not surprised by that? <laughs> I have no idea. How do you get along with your teachers? Um, well, it's my mom, so... <laughs> That's why I asked the question. <laughs> I get along with her usually pretty good, and sometimes, you know, we'll have the daily issues or whatever happens. So, Brooklyn, last question is that so many people are down on the future. What do you think about the future of the United States of America? I think it will be hard to pull through because we've waited for a long time, but I do think we'll get the act together and people will speak up and we will save this country and Trump will come back as president. 
For those that think there's no hope with the next generation, you obviously don't know people like Brooklyn Welsh from Athens, <laughs> Georgia. Thank you, Brooklyn. My pleasure. Loose tails. Be gentle. Stay firm. <laughs>